how have you been doing uh, with COVID going crazy and kind of messing up everybody's schedule? Uh, this I'm very privileged, so it sounds awful to say, but COVID hasn't really changed much for me other than working from home. Mm -hmm. uh, I still do my full-time hours just in the comfort of my room <laughs> now. Um, but other than that, it, it hasn't changed much for me. Mm -hmm. So how's your family like coping with everything? Are they cool with it too? Uh, I mean, it has its challenges. All of us being cooped up in a house is yeah. not the most ideal situation, but it is what it is for the time being. It's kind of the new norm at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to like the beginning. Um, like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Like, how did that work? Uh, so I'm actually from Northern Ontario, a little city called Thunder Bay. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's where I was raised. Um, and I didn't move to Mississauga until 2011. Um, mm -hmm. But I grew up in, I would say, a single parent family. My mom raised me. Um, my dad was involved, but not necessarily as involved as as you would kind of hope or expect mm -hmm. yeah. so it was just like in and out yeah so how did that like affect you growing up um i mean the short version of it obviously i became a lot more dependent on my mom for things um but i'm very fortunate that later on in life about four or five years ago i was able to connect with my dad and kind of go through how that has impacted me um, and now we have a really great relationship yeah I mean that's really common and not a lot of people go back and kind of repair that relationship so um, how did that like did it like emotionally like heal you or did it help you moving forward yeah it healed me a lot um, I never really understood why my dad was kind of in and out of my life and hearing it from his perspective, but also understanding that he was really young when he had me. Um, and his he's Dominican and that's just really what the culture is and that was the norm and that's the best that he knew. So yeah, it, it did definitely repair and heal a lot of things for me. So like you're Dominican and, or is Finnish. it just in Finnish? Yeah, my mom oh. had a few different types of northern european in her but mostly finnish wow that's 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 really different and then um so like cultural wise like how was that growing up in uh thunder bay i uh, it was interesting i mean thunder bay has a huge finnish population so you know on the weekends we would go to this place called the hoito and have like or embrace our finnish culture but my mom really embraced the dominican culture because she had lived there for a few years so that was really what I grew up knowing, making Dominican food. And and then other than that, just living the North American dream. <laughs> yeah. So like, do you speak more than one language or? Yeah, so I can speak Spanish, not a ton. Um, yeah. and I know a few words in Finnish, but again, nothing, not enough to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. So given all these things that you've been through, like um, I see that, you're a very happy person. Um, like, how, how did you come to be that? Uh, 
I think that I had faced a lot of different adversities and had gone through a lot of difficult times very early on in my life. Um, and so when I was able to work through all those things, I realized that where I'm at right now, it could be much worse. And I just always think about that. And I'm very fortunate. I have a roof over my head. I have a family that loves me and I have food in my stomach. So yeah. I don't have much to complain about. Yeah. So you're like grateful for like the, the littlest things. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good to hear because a lot of people, um, they are like, they always feel like they need more and they get into this um, rut and they just base their value on what they have and don't have. Exactly. So that's good. Um, so growing up, did you like play sports? Was that a force in your life? Oh yeah. Um, sports was huge. My earliest fondest memories are me going to this dome in Thunder Bay we had called the bubble mm -hmm. and I would play basketball there with my dad. Um, but other than that, I played soccer growing up. I dabbled in basketball dance, which arguably has some athleticism to it. Yeah, it does. It um, definitely does. Yeah. And then most, most I would say was triathlons. Um, I started doing triathlons when I was, I think, eight. Wow. Not sure why. <laughs> I don't know. I actually have never asked my parents why they put me in triathlon. Um, but <laughs> I liked swimming. I liked biking. And they were like, why not throw in running too? So, yeah, yeah I started doing triathlons when I was like eight. So, um, you are a community mental health advocate and given that um like hearing your story it kind of makes sense you get into this space because like triathlons take a lot of mental fortitude and like to me I look at it like wow like you gotta be crazy to do that like that's that takes a lot so um yeah. <laughs> would you say all these ex your experiences in triathlons have helped you persevere through your tough times and like get into this space yeah, I probably in hindsight, I would say for sure it did. Um, not my first thought as to what's kind of pushed me through, but definitely doing triathlons teaches you a lot and you're spending a lot of time in your own mind and being alone with your thoughts, whether you're swimming or you're running or biking, it's, it's pretty much a solo sport. Mm -hmm. So like, um, like a lot of, this this is a podcast I'd say it's geared, geared to like a lot of athletes, but also um, regular people who can benefit from this. Like, um, how did you, even before I get to that question, like there's a lot of athletes and people who deal with uh, some sort of mental health or some sort of mental hurdle in their lives and they just may not know how to get through it. So like, uh, what did you do to get through your adversity? Um. I was fortunate that I was able to get connected to the right resources very, very early on. Um, so I was connected to a child and youth counselor, um, was connected to a psychiatrist, psychologist. Um, that, that helped me more so with the adversities or the things I was facing when I was younger. Um, I would say now my coach is like, my I run now, and so my coach is really really helped me get through some of the mental hurdles, especially in terms of running. Wow. 
Wow, so you do like long distance running? I do. Yeah. Wow. That's good. So, um, like, I know in like the black community growing up, mental health is like, it's not a topic you really talk about. And if you do talk about it, people be like, you're not crazy. You don't need to go there. Um, so like you may be just going through some crazy things and just, you know, you have to like internalize it. So you have all this pain you're harboring and like until you get to a certain age and you're able to sit down with someone, you're like, oh, okay, like you know, I've been holding on to a lot. So like from personal experience, I got I, I got a chance to do that, but um, it's really frowned upon. So um, like, I know you've done a lot of community work. So how, how do those kids, how do you help those kids get through, you know, their... I mean, the most common or, or the most effective way I think is through peer mentoring. Um, you connect them with someone who's been through similar situations or lived in similar situations that they have. Um, and they don't necessarily realize or see it as like a formal counseling session, but they're able to see someone and speak to someone and, and kind of let those things out. Um, and I think too, being able to talk to someone that you kind of look up to or that has been through the same things as you can help maybe even more so than than a counselor or a formal session. I mean, that's deep because I remember growing up, um, obviously not having a dad there, so we can relate in that sense. Um, I was always like looking for <clears throat> like a father figure, whether it be a coach um, or an older male, and you just like do anything to like try and impress or get their admiration. So uh, that's a space I definitely I'm going to get into and other people should get into. Um, with that said, you talked, you had a slight experience like bringing uh, basketball and dance into the community because sport like heals, it helps. So what was that like? Um, I'll start with, I guess, kind of touching on the fact that it was probably the most amazing experience I've ever had. Um, I was very, very fortunate to work with uh, this young man. His name's Luke Galati, and he uh, is a basketball coach in the Eastern Toronto communities. And so he had brought me on because he had heard the Nets had been getting taken down. And he really did most of the work. I kind of just supported him in, uh, in getting the word out that the Nets were being taken down. So he did a lot of like media, media outlets and that type of thing. Um, but it was an interesting experience being in communities that, you know, I live in Brampton, so it's a very different jurisdiction. We don't get our basketball nets taken down at, at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, and so being in those Toronto communities and hearing that this was happening and that there was really no answers for why it was happening was unreal because from my experience and from those who I had spoken to, basketball was really a community binder. It mm -hmm. built a lot of communities up. It did a lot of great things for those communities. Some of our favorite players came out of those communities. Um, and so to hear that the nets were being taken down was shocking. Uh, yeah, so it was a very unique experience for sure. Yeah, so like, uh, did you guys have to like do a lot of fundraising or? So there was no fundraising involved. Um, we actually just did petitions. So Luke had started a petition 
just to get a few people to sign it so that we could maybe go talk to one counselor of that that area or or of multiple communities and uh through that more and more people were being made aware that these basketball nets were taken down and mm-hmm. more, and more people were looking for answers and so through that there was a lot of pressure that we put on the schools especially that were taking down their nets um and then slowly but surely a lot of the community counselors were feeling the pressure to you know like okay, I really don't have an answer for why I'm taking down the nets or why I'm asking them to take down the nets. So then maybe we should explore this further, mm-hmm. which opened up a, a bigger conversation just about how politicians viewed basketball in those in those communities. A lot of them wow. felt like it was, you know, gang-related activity or that it was bringing together youth and they were being loud and causing a ruckus. Um, so they didn't really have valid reasons because when he broke it down, that's not what was actually taking place. Of course, you know, I'm sure you grew up playing basketball at your school park or, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy um, that at that level, people have these um, stereotypes, I guess, to say and wow, that, that's crazy how these communities are being impacted and they're not really in the community. Um, I, one of the biggest eye-openers for me was we were in, can't remember what community we were in, but we were, two of the communities we went to, they had signs up that actually said, no ball bouncing between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. And I yeah. was why like what is the ball bouncing doing to you you know what i mean and it was just a way for them to restrict people being able to play basketball in those areas between 8 p.m and 8 a.m which again is so silly to me but yeah it's super silly like i mean like you hear so many stories about people in the u.s and how they that basketball saved them and they grew up in these um very adverse situations, but basketball kept them out of trouble. Um, you know, the, the the troublemakers respected them because they knew they were pursuing the goal. Um, so it's like, it's unfortunate to hear that. Um, basketball is like bringing all these different cultures and people around the world together. And if we even look at the Raptors, like there's so many different cultures on there. So, man, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the community, man, it's crazy. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, man. So, um, what else, like, what, how's your coach, like, really helping you get through, like, the mental hurdles now that you're, like, competing as an athlete? Her main thing for me, and that's literally transformed the way that I run, has been positive Mm -hmm. self-talk. From the beginning, she's always told me, you know, when you're on your long runs, just say a few phrases to yourself uh, to get you through it. And, I heard what she was saying, but didn't really take it seriously. Even as a mental health counselor, I've never really, I'm like, yeah, yeah, positive self-talk, but it's so impactful. And it's honestly something that I couldn't live without now. So just oh. saying a small phrase, like her favorite one is release the shoulders or relax the shoulders, release a smile. And so when I'm running, I just think about that. Or I think about, you know, you simple simple things like this is great i love running even Mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel so great in the moment 
like a lot of people, you know, even not just athletes, they, they'll be like, oh, that's corny. Like, yeah. that doesn't work. Super. <laughs> Super. <laughs> I was the same way. Yeah, I was the same way until last spring I was training for a half marathon. Um, and it was really, really difficult for me. And I was waking up every morning, like, not wanting to go on my long runs, not wanting to go to workouts with my team. And when I started really implementing the positive self-talk, it totally changed my perspective on, on running. And the mind is so powerful that it really, it really does uh, control the rest of your body. Mm -hmm. So convincing your mind that you're in a positive space will make the rest of your body kind of just go along with it. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I honestly think that's so true because like you see like a lot of the people who excel in the world, not just athletes, um, they practice these things. They practice the positive self-talk. Um, and it's, it's no coincidence that they are excelling at a high level. If you just look at how, um, like even like a guy like, like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like he, he had so much confidence in himself. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Like a lot of athletes and people should really practice this, not just, you know, just take it as something that's corny or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. So, um, like obviously COVID has not really hurt you, but, um, do you have any like goals, like athletic goals and professional goals that you're working towards? Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, the biggest impact COVID has had on my goals has been races have all been canceled. Mm. Um, and this is really the time that I would be racing every other weekend if I could, doing a 5K here, doing a 10K here. Um, so those goals were kind of put on hold. But at the moment, I'm doing a virtual race with my team. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I'm working towards at the moment. And then professionally, I'm still in school. Um, I went back to school to get another degree. And so wow. at the moment, I'm just working away at that and hoping to be done soon. That's amazing. So how, how are you doing these um, virtual races? Like, is it just like, oh, I ran 5K today. Let's see who could beat that. Kind of. So we're really racing against ourselves. Uh, how my coaches laid it out is that we did a time trial, I think like a week or two weeks into the lockdown happening, um, just on your own. So mm -hmm. we went out and we did a 5k run and then we sent it to our coaches um, on our training app. And now I believe May 10th, we're going to do that again. And whoever has improved the most from their 5K time at the beginning of the lockdown to May 10th is going to be the winner. Wow. So anyone with a big improvement. <laughs> That's crazy. So like, uh, yeah. Um, I've always, like I've recently gotten into running, but um, what I'm most interested by is like, when I see people running is like they keep their pace. And I'm like, that is crazy. Yeah. Like, I can't do that for that long of a distance. So how do you, how do you guys perfect that? Uh, I still have a difficult time pacing myself. I obviously rely on my Nike app 
a lot mm-hmm. for that. Um, but I think the most important thing or one of the things that's helped me the most is warming up. So like starting out with a 10, 15 minute jog and then easing into the pace that I want to be. Um, and then just being consistent. So I'm notorious for when I'm racing, I start out really, really fast for two kilometers. And then the last three kilometers, I'm running like way slower than I should be. (laughs) Um, So just trying to maintain that and being mindful too that, you know, don't speed up, don't slow down, like kind of just stay in in a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's really good, man. So um, given that, like, how do you make time for everything? Like you said, you're in school, you're training to, you know, run long distance races, you have a job. How do you do that? Um, that is the million dollar question. Everybody asks me that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm the organized person. I'm really great at time management. Um, and I've been doing online schooling now for about two years and that has trained me to be very disciplined uh, with my time because there's no one, no professor is telling me when to hand in my work. I just need to hand it in when it's due. And so that's helped me understand my management a bit more as well. Yeah, that's really good, man. So uh, where, like, where are you going to school for that? Uh, I'm going to Guelph Humber right now, and I'm doing a degree in family and community social work. Oh, that's really good. So it's like a, a step up from what you already have. Yeah. No, that's good, man. Wow. So discussed a lot today, and I feel like there's a lot of people can take from this interview. If there are like three things you could, uh, give the next generation like three pieces of advice, like what would it be? Um, I think my first piece of advice is to stick to it. Whatever you're doing, just keep going. Um, A lot of times as a young person, you can't necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel, whether that be basketball is your sport right now um, or you're wanting to go and be a doctor, like really stick to whatever it is that you're doing and focus on that and kind of zoom in on that skill because it will pay off. Hard work, dedication does pay off. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my second piece of advice would be to always go into things with a positive attitude. I know, I don't mean like walk into a practice happy because we all have our days, but just maintaining a positive attitude, I think is really important. Um, Especially as an athlete, if you're going to be on any team or wanting to be on any team, whether that be your high school team or you're going pro, um, I think maintaining a positive attitude is really important. Um, And then I think my last piece of advice is just be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. You're doing the best that you can with what's in front of you. And a lot of times, families or parents or communities or society gets really hard on on young people and what they're doing we oftentimes label them as you know oh these are the bad kids or they're always involved in the law but they're doing the best that they can and so just remember that that you're doing the best that you can with the resources that you have exactly 
Oh, that's really good, man. Well, thank you for coming on today and making some time. Um, if me. no, no problem. If uh, anybody wanted to get like connected with you or uh, support whatever it is you're doing, um, as far as your community work and just maybe connect and and just get some inspiration, where can they find you? I think the easiest way is to connect through social media. Probably my Instagram. Um, it's Felicia Jimenez, so F-E-L-I-C-I-A-J-I-M-E-N-E-Z. Um, and then connect through there and, and we can talk further. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you.